That's right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Principles of Fitness podcast. My name is Cameron Harn, and on today's episode, we have NorCal Fitness Summit founder Khaled El Masri as our guest today. For years, Khaled has been helping fitness professionals identify areas of their business that they may be struggling with and map out a blueprint that is going to take them to that next level. He has been able to do this as a manager for several health clubs and as the founder of the NorCal Fitness Summit. During our conversation, we talk about pitfalls that trainers face and how the NorCal Fitness Summit blueprints a strategy for business owners to apply immediately after the summit. So on Monday, they're locked and ready to go. How understanding human psychology has helped him to better empathize with his clients. Strategies that he's learned from being in Todd Durkin's mastermind group. How he keeps the information at the NorCal Fitness Summit relevant to business owners year after year. And lessons from his past that have helped shape him to where he is today. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Khalid El Masri. I'm just so thankful for the the amount of information that's out there, especially on these podcasts with some of these like big influencers and uh, I mean people like yourself, man, who are trying to positively influence the lives of so many personal trainers out there that are kind of like lost in this uh, this world of like you know what to do with their business, how to move forward with it, and um, you know they want to make a, a better life for themselves ultimately. And this is a great industry to be in, and I think that they can have. A fruitful life in the in the fitness industry. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think the industry itself, where it was ten years ago and where it is now, from it has completely revolutionized how we how we interact with members, how we engage with members, how we deliver results and information to members. And I think for, but I think at some point there's so much out there now that gym owners, personal trainers are just confused. Like there's so like mis misinformation, mix mix matching information. Like I like who do I follow? Who do I listen to? Mm-hmm. So so I you know, I, I think yeah, man, I think this industry is amazing. I think this industry has so much potential and every year you see a flood of new trainers come into this industry. So I it's at a point now where being an average trainer or an average gym owner in this industry is no longer gonna work. Like yeah. you just just showing up and taking people through workouts is no longer going to work. It, I think it's coming down to understanding, not even so much like a hyper niche, but like or not so much just understanding. Okay, I'm a weight loss guy, but even take how do you take that even lower to where now you, you're 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 micro niching. Like mm-hmm. it's no longer even even about a niche anymore. Now it's it's just like I, I, you know we're we're working with trainers on how do I micro how do I micro niche? Like how do I take my I work with women who are overweight and micro niche that down to specific women who are overweight, who are married, who have two kids, who drive this, you know, who live in a house, who are, you know, so on and so forth. That's interesting. Um, yeah, man, I think that's just where I think at this point with so many people, trainers coming into the industry, I think it's coming to the point where you're going to have to micro niche down. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think I started off with a certain niche in my in my business dealing with men who had lower back issues, um, but I feel like there's also kind of a great awakening with the fitness industry and personal training in particular that they're going, oh wait, I've got to treat this like a business. You know, it's not just something fun where I can collect some cash and you know meet some cool people and you know work a few people out here and there. But it's like, well, hold on, I can actually turn this into a business and live off of it. And so now it's kind of like people trying to understand, okay, how, how does the business aspect of all this work? And, um, I think that's, you know, I don't know from your experience, but from my experience, that's kind of what I struggled with and what I've seen other people kind of struggle with in the industry. I know it's a great point. It's, it's something I even struggled with as when I first came up in the industry is, you know, certifications do an amazing job teaching you program design and assessing and all that stuff. But what they lack is business and how do I market and how do I, and how do I lead generate more importantly, how do I sell? Uh, you know, I think a lot of the, a lot of the certifications miss that. So when the trainer under gets into, it, it gets into the industry, they have this kind of like, they have this uninformed optimism of like, I'm excited. I'm ready to change lives. Like, this is what I want to do. This is my passion, but they don't really understand what comes with that. They think 
I have a certification. I, I just got hired at a gym and now I, I want to change the world. And what they start be understanding is at some point they start realizing, oh crap, like I need to get clients. Like I, I can't just show up and expect to, to be given clients. I need to go out and find my own and how do I, but I don't know how to do that. So then you kind of get into this like informed pessimism. Like I like, I didn't know this and now I know this and now I don't like it cause I don't know business and I don't like selling. Yeah. So now it's like, what the hell do I do? It's like, wait and a minute, this is hard. Exactly. Exactly. And no, oh, I don't, I don't feel comfortable selling and I don't, I mean, we can get on a tangent about sales and oh, totally. all that stuff, but, uh, I'm actually speaking on that at the NSCA event in Anaheim, um, later this month on sales. Um, but you think you get into this, they, you get in, they get into this mindset of like, like, okay, what's my purpose now? Like I, I wanted to change lives and I, so I got certified, but now I have to run a business. I'm not sure I'm cut out for personal training or I'm not sure I'm not cut, I'm cut out to be a trainer. And now within their first year, they're done. They leave the industry altogether because they're not getting the coaching, the guidance, the mentoring to understand how, how to niche down. How do I lead generate? How do I market? Um, and all that stuff's changing so fast that it's tough for someone to keep up with it. As a trainer, to keep up with what's happening with Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff is is hard on its own when you also got to keep up with clients and, and the experience that they're, that they're getting at your club. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's abundance of information and not only that, but competition out there that it, it overwhelms people in, you know, what, what direction do I need to go? How do I need to generate business clients and stuff? I want to get into all that in just a minute, Khaled, because I want it for my listeners. I want to get to want them to get to know you a little bit more. I want I want to get to know you a little bit more, man, because we've only got to know each other in like in passing a couple times and stuff and, you know, True. sharing a few stories here and there. But could you just tell me, like, where did you grow up and like kind of how did you get into the fitness industry? Yeah. So I was born in the Middle East. So I was born in Lebanon. And uh, wow. so I moved. I moved, Yeah, I moved to California when I was five. So if, um, Lebanon was in a civil war at that time. And so my parents took us out of that to, uh, to pr- keep us safe and, and, you know, not get killed or injured. Uh, so we, we moved to California and I grew up in a town, uh, called San Luis Obispo, which is yeah, I'm, a gorgeous I'm familiar with slow, right? man. I got, right? I got buddies slow. went to school up there. Exactly. So I grew up there, went to high school there, college there. Um, you know, and that's where I first got my taste of fitness, but more importantly, personal training. So in high school, junior to senior year, my, I got, I had a trainer get me ready for my last year of football season and I had some amazing results. I mean, at that point I was two ten, running a four, five, five, 40. Um, oh, wow. yeah, as a tailback Dang, all because, man. right. Right. The good old high school days, um, all, all because of a trainer. And that for me was kind of my, my, that's what triggered my passion to get involved in fitness. So I started mm-hmm. working at a gym, um, did the front desk, uh, and worked my way up to uh, personal training and and started training some clients and then decided to get into physical therapy. So I got a job at a physical therapy office as a trainer slash PTA because I wanted to get into PT school and go the uh, physical therapy route. Uh, my dad got hurt on a job about 20 years ago now where he um, fell and hurt his shoulder and his lower back. And so I became really intrigued on how do I help rehab people with shoulder and lower back pain. And specifically I focused on the shoulder. And so that became my obsession is how do I help people recover from shoulder injury, shoulder pain. Um, so I wanted to get into PT and, um, you know, through that time did that, moved to San Francisco, got involved in a health club. And, uh, that was my first introduction of like the health club industry in the corporate world. And was a trainer for about a year and then moved up really fast into management. Um, I, you know, I sales comes naturally to me. I I like selling. I like having someone in front of me and getting to know people. And I think that stems back from being an immigrant in this country when I didn't know anybody, I didn't know how to speak English. Um, there was times where I like, I felt alone and kind of felt like I'm on an Island by myself growing up, which is funny because when you talk to a lot of business owners, how I felt when I was five is a lot of, about is pretty much the same as how they feel now when they when it comes to their business. They're on their they feel like they're on their own. Hmm. Nobody understands them. Uh, 
so for me, I took that and that became kind of my obsession of wanting to understand people and wanting to get to know people. And so sales became naturally to me. So I moved up to management and for the last 12 years, as I've been in this industry, I've been in a fitness director, a regional fitness director, um, overseeing four clubs, general manager. Um, and so I've, I've ran the kind of the gauntlet when it comes to the corporate world of different, uh, positions in big health clubs, working with trainers, um, made about this point over a hundred, I've probably coached over a few hundred trainers in my 12 year career. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, it's funny when you talk about it out loud, you realize like I've, my, I've helped, I've been able to help a lot of trainers with their business. And as I understood it and I saw, a lot of trainers leave there. It became really alarming. Like why are they, they, you know, they come in so excited and yet they leave so jaded. Like this, this isn't the right industry for me because they don't have the business sense of like, okay, what do I need to do to, to treat this like a business and not just show up? I'm certified where our clients and that kind of inspired me to launch the NorCal fitness summit, uh, which is like my three day fitness business event in San Francisco. Uh, and that's ideally geared. I saw it and I kept seeing it over and over again. And I kept hearing trainers, um, you know, their pain points. Like I just, I don't know business. I don't understand marketing. I don't know certain sales. And so I created an event to help motivate them and inspire them and give them actually the blueprint of hey, here's how you create an online business. Here's how you run your Facebook ads. Here's how you do this. So when they leave, they have their fitness business blueprint in their hands to now go implement on Monday and start running a business. Awesome. It's been fun. That's incredible, man. Um, I want to backpedal a little bit because we got, uh, I listened to the Stop Chasing Pain podcast and you had mentioned in there that you were an entrepreneur at the age of five. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So it's funny because I always get asked like, what do you mean you were an entrepreneur at the age of five? So if if you go back to to my comment on how I felt when I was five, the being alone and, and not fitting in and like wanting to reach out and be a part of something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. That is the statement of, I was an, I felt, I knew what I, I knew I was an entrepreneur at, at five years old because those are the same feelings I have now as an entrepreneur or I had as an entrepreneur or many entrepreneurs have now are what I felt at five. So at five, I knew what entrepreneurs felt like. Cause that's what I was felt. I felt like being a little kid okay. trying to fit it. I didn't want to business at five years old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gotcha. I'm like, you know, you got some like early stage Mark Cuban stuff over here, man. Where you like on the corner selling ice cream to kids. I'm trying to teach my son that right now. I'm like, you know, supply lemonade stands, <laughs> dude, no, even better than lemonade stands. I'm like, lemonade's old school. You need to go sell ice cream at the park right now. That's a good idea. Oh, that's, that's a really good idea. Way better. Um, can <laughs> but yeah, you... that whole statement, yeah, man, that whole statement is really going back to like at five years old, all those feelings that most trainers and gym owners or anyone, frankly, that like sometimes feels like they're on an island alone. Those are the feelings I felt when I was five. And so, and then that's what, when I look at, when you look back at it now, NorCal or what I created with the summit solves a lot of those feelings of you're not alone, you're not on an island by yourself. There's others who either are going through what you're going through or have gone what you're going through. And now I'm honored to be able to bring them all together in a room and now they can and connect and share and, and, and network together. So how did you channel those feelings, Khaled? How did you get all those uncomfortable feelings that entrepreneurs would face at five and just kind of with what you were going through as being an immigrant in the United States into where you are today, how did your upbringing kind of influence that? Where did you channel it? So for, uh, for uh, it was through sports. Like I put myself in, you know, I, you know, growing up, I was around kind of like the wrong crowd growing up. And, and f- because I obviously you want something and you're searching for it, you'll find it anywhere. And sometimes you find it in the wrong areas. And so I found it in the wrong areas and I was getting in trouble a lot in high school and getting into fights and stealing stuff and all that, <laughs> all that jazz. No, no and that, uh, yeah, man. And like in junior high, like six, sixth grade to junior high was a lot of that kind of like my, like I was, my, my I was lost. Like, and so in, in trying to find who I was, uh, I started hanging around the wrong, wrong crowd because I felt like I got, I was accepted. Like they accepted me. Um, and, and I felt like I was a part of something little did I know that part of something 
was eventually going to get me in trouble at some point, actually get me put in jail if I didn't clean up my act. Oh, no way. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was there was a moment in time there where I could have been in jail. <laughs> so um, so I found football. And so I, I kind of stumbled upon football in seventh grade. And that for me, that that's when I started forming my identity. So I was a part of something. And that part of something allowed me to take out a lot of my anger and frustration on someone else. Um, um, but in that, I found like, me and my identity and, and I was and a team and, and I was accepted for the talents that I had and, and all that started carried me through high school and through college. And, and so it wasn't just like the, this one thing. It was just more like I became a, I found a sport that I anchored to and fitness anchored me to that. And so fitness has always been even now, man, anytime I have a hard day or, or I'm having a rough day, fitness has always been that anchor where I can just go to a gym and work out and feel centered again. Absolutely. Now, Colin, did you have any influences, like people who kind of influenced your life growing up, any mentors, people that kept you on that path, coaches? Yeah. You know, I, my, one of my mentors, his name's Butch Cooper. Um, you know, I met him later in life. Um, and when I first, you know, I met him when I became a fitness director up here in, up in San Francisco and he's actually one of my best friends now. And so for, I clinged on to him and, you know, he was my, he became my mentor that helped me understand how to lead, how to manage, how to develop, uh, you know, how to be a true servant leader and not just a manager. And so a lot of my, where I am today, I really owe to him and his leadership and his guidance over the last 10 years. And you guys are still friends. You guys still stay in contact with each other. <laughs> yeah. We talk once a week. Uh, he's a, uh, he's a, uh, He's a high rank. He's an executive over with 24 Hour Fitness, and so we talk every week. Um, you know, we, we're our uh, our wedding days were one year apart, same weekend, one year apart, oh, uh, wow. which was a coincidence. Yeah, we didn't plan that. Like that was a total coincidence. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, it was if, if it wasn't for him, like taking me under his wing, uh, and I've had a lot of mentors, you know, through the like the Todd Durkin. I mean, Todd Durkin was a great mentor. I was with him for five years, and I learned a lot really? of. I was with, yeah, I was with the, I was in his mastermind for about five years. And so I learned a lot of the business side of it through being a part of his mastermind. And then not just with Todd, but being surrounded with a lot of the, we, I mean, there was 70 people in our mastermind and all of them were entrepreneurs, ran a studio, ran a health club, ran an independent training gym. So I learned a lot of, of business sense from that group and being in Todd's group. So I've heard somebody else mention a mastermind and I'm not too familiar with them. You know, I've got a mentor, but this is like a, I feel like another level. Can you explain, talk a little bit about Todd Durkin's mastermind that you were in? Yeah, uh, ideally, I mean, basically, if you think about it, it's a group, it's getting a group of individuals together and we, we, we mastermind, meaning like, okay, here's the, here's my problem. Here's my situation. And now as a, as a group, we come up with ideas on how to solve that problem. And so in that mastermind, um, someone in that group has gone through what you're going through. And that's the, mm -hmm. that's the awesome thing about being in a mastermind or, or, or being, or having a mentor is they've pretty much gone through already what you're currently experiencing, or they actually know what's about to happen. And Hey, watch out for this. Here's what's going to happen. Or here's what might happen if you don't catch it. And that was the awesome thing about being in that group is, uh, you know, I was able to get that coaching of like, Hey, this might happen. So just be careful. Um, because I was surrounded by other people who've gone through it. Do you have any like scenarios or memories of a situation where somebody's like, Hey, you know, watch out for this. And then it helped you avert maybe something, a loss or something that could have set you back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the big one for me is when I went from, you know, managing one club to managing four clubs. And so that was a whole monster of a move in itself. And luckily there was a guy in the group who managed, who used to be a regional manager of some clubs. And so I got on the phone with him and, um, you know, he gave me some pointers and some coaching on how to handle four clubs. So that way you're not, cause each one's different. Each one's yeah. unique and each one has its own personality. So how do you treat them as such with, and, and not all the same. And so he kind of gave me some pointers on, you know, when I meet with the trainers and when I meet with the general manager and how do I make that transition smooth for everybody so that no one, no one is, is 
abrupt by the change happening. So yeah, I mean, it was that was really the, one of the best examples that comes to mind. What were I mean, I can't even imagine being in a leadership position like that. <laughs> What's it like? What are some of the obstacles that you face? You know, leading four clubs. It's you know. It was. It's always been a challenge that I wanted, and so it finally came true. Uh, I've always. I don't know what it was, but I wanted to kind of. I wanted to really test my skill set of can I run four clubs and manage a group of you know at that it was about forty forty seven trainers. Wow, man! Uh, I love that. That's crazy. That's crazy. It was fun. It was fun. Uh, I mean, and, and a lot of it was just understanding. I think the biggest challenge was knowing. Okay, you can't. Like what happens at one club, though how even though how close they are, each club has its own personality, and each club has its own member base. So what I did at one didn't necessarily work at a different one because that demographic was completely different because of whatever side of town it was at. Mm-hmm. It was on in San Francisco. So I, that was the biggest challenge was being able to peel back and sit back and be like, okay, these are the four clubs, these are the demographics, this is our member base, and. Now we could put a plan of attack together to go to go, you know, attract that right kind of member and so they can get involved in personal training. Awesome, man. Being that you're you're just you're in a leadership position and this seems to be the place that you're most comfortable. Uh, how was how has your upbringing helped you out with that? How has like your relationship with your parents, you know, shown you that leadership position and how to be an effective leader for others? Uh, you know, it's it's uh you know, I, I get it from my dad. Uh, my dad was uh, was a leader in his company, and so in my upbringing, it was always about talking like the work hard, the drive, that that kind of mentality. And so that was instilled for me from man when I was like seven, eight. Like it was always like work hard for what you want, work hard to get to that next level. Um, you know, nothing's ever given to you. And so for us, we always we always talked about taking risks and not seeing risk as failures. That was always part of my upbringing. And so that came that as I grew up became kind of my leadership style was I was okay taking risk and knowing that it might not work. Um, I was okay with that because if it did work, then, Hey, like awesome. We took a risk and the risk worked and now we can move forward. And if it didn't work, Hey, that's okay. Like we would have never known if we never, if we never took that risk. So that was kind of what, my dad instilled that in me when I was young. That's huge. It is. It is. You know, most, you know, when, when, you know, most parents tell the kids not to do this or don't do this, my dad was like, do it, see what happens and learn from it. And that's really the worst case scenario is you might fail, but if you do, that's okay. And so that became, that gave me the okay to try things and do different things, knowing that it's okay to fail. And, and as long as I learn from it. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go from like, especially to go from like a personal training position to a management position, and then from management to running four clubs. I mean, you can see that you have you know no fear of risk. Where I myself, if I were to be put in that position, I'd be like, oh, but what if I sucked as a manager? What if I was terrible at this? What's going to happen? You know, you don't want you know. There's a that fear of letting people down. I think that holds a lot of us back. It does. And for me, and, and I, I thrive in that world because it's the fear of letting someone down that is what helps me perform at my best because I don't want to let anyone down. Wow. So I, I kind of reverse psychology that in my head of like, yeah, it's scary as hell running four clubs. But you know what's funny? It's like, it's like you, you grow into it. Like if you would have asked me that a few years ago, there was no way I was ready to run, take on four clubs. Like I just wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have the maturity. I didn't have the, the growth, uh, that growth curve of being able to go from one club to four clubs. And so, you know, it, it's, it's a process and, and the process always takes time, but the process you got almost, you, you, you can't like, you can't go from A to Z without going, going from B to Y. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's no way I could have skipped going from one club to four clubs. If I didn't go from one club that was, I think my first club was, 10,000 square feet to my last one club was 80,000 square feet. <laughs> and so it's a growth, right? Cause, and so I grew into the four clubs, but I had to go through the process of a bigger club, a bigger club, a bigger club, a bigger staff. And then I was ready. Oh, cool. Now I'm ready for four clubs and 40 some trainers. And, uh, you know, I think I was responsible for about $3 million in revenue. Wow. Yeah. So Unbelievable. I think it's, a, it's a process, man. You can't jump hurdles. Like you cannot, 
you almost have to, you just have to trust the process and you, and you grow into the process. What are some things in your earlier stages as a personal trainer that have helped you in the position that you're in today? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, for me, it was, it was really understanding human psychology and really understanding behaviors and motivational interviewing and understanding, like I knew for me in order to be successful as a trainer, I had to understand people mm-hmm. and I, I had to understand how people think and understand what holds people back. And so I dove into psychology books and I drove into more sales books. And, and as I, you know, as I peeled back layers of, you know, what really, you know, the stories we tell ourselves and the stories that sit in our subconscious that will come up when things are triggered. Like, as I understood that, that made me become more, that helped me become more empathetic with people when they're sitting across from me. Cause you know, I could relate to some extent, maybe not directly with the same situation, but there's a point in my life where I faced something similar and had the same feelings, Mm -hmm. but I was able to relate to that because I understood who the person is sitting across from me. And did you go to school for psychology or you just decided, hey, I'm going to dive into these books because I want to understand people? Dove into books. (laughs) Wow. What were some of the books that you remember in the earlier stages? Uh, Man, the big one is How to Win Win Friends and Influence People. My wife has that one. I haven't read it yet. You've got to get on that book. Like that's my go-to. I usually will, re- will reread that one once a year, just just to get it, just to keep it fresh in my head. What are some of those uh, uh, fundamental principles in there that you apply today? Uh, you, the what's the first one? Uh, seek to understand before you understood. Okay, like that's really the big one for me. It was you know always because sometimes as trainers we try to make that member understand our point of view when in reality they're not here for us. We're here for them. So we need to understand their perspective and their point of view and what's going on in their life and, and, and create a program that fits that and not try to create a program for them to fit into what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was a big one for me cause that was the mistake I was doing when, uh, when I was, when I first started, I was a trainer was I tried to fit everybody into this, into this one program that I wanted them to fit into and it didn't work because it wasn't, it wasn't about them. I, it was about me going and meeting their expectations, not having them meet your expectations. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 all, and there's the little ones like, you know, people's first names and, and remembering people's names. Like it's these little things that, um, you know, we don't think about, but man, when they're done right and when they're done consistent, they go a long way. Yeah. It's establishing relationships. I mean, I think that's something that we're kind of, you know, unfortunately losing with social media is that personal relationship and getting to know somebody. Even, you know, I remember the days where you had to memorize people's phone numbers. You couldn't just have them built in your smartphone. You know, I don't even think my son would even know my phone number right now. If someone goes, if there was an emergency and someone goes, hey, what's your dad's <laughs> phone number? He probably wouldn't know. You'd go, I don't know. His name's Cameron. <laughs> I still have our time with phone numbers. <laughs> I used, cell phones. <laughs> dude, I used to pride myself in memorizing people's phone numbers, man. It was crazy. Um, it's, yeah, man. The world's changed. One cell phones. And, you know, social media, yeah. I mean, social media definitely, it can go both ways. It can make us less engaging or it can make us more engaging. I, for me, I find myself more engaged on social media because I'm engaging with the people. I've created this tribe and in this tribe – I'm, I'm, that is my, that is my community. And so I'm engaging with them daily. And, and so I think, yeah, I mean, I think we're in a, in a, in a age of instant gratification where, you know, we post something and within 20 seconds expect a like, and when we don't get a like it bursts our ego and, totally. and, and that's kind of the age that we're in. But on the flip side of that, I think social media has allowed me to put, I mean, I have a, we, I have a private, group for anyone who attends NorCal. There's 300, uh, about 220 people in that group. And that group would have never been formed if I, you know, if it wasn't for the summit and then being able to take that group. And now that becomes my, that's my tribe, like my community. And, and, and so I think social media, yeah, man, it can be looked at two different ways. I think it's just depending on what you're using it for. And, and I think it's, a, it's brought, it's, it's brought people together in certain terms and it's pulled people apart in certain terms. Yeah. And I mean, it's important too that you're you're bringing people together, not just on the platform on social media, but with the NorCal Fitness Summit, with bringing people together and you know sharing uh, knowledge for 
I can't think of a word right now, but just sharing that information amongst each other with like-minded individuals. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the NorCal Fitness Summit? How did it get started? Where is it today? You know, and you just you recently moved over to Arizona, right? I did. So I took a job with um, Lifetime Fitness over in, in uh, Arizona as a as a membership onboarding manager. So basically, my job now is the simple terms is is member experience. So when a member joins, they sit down in front of me, and and I do a full on. Um, like assessment of what their goals are, what they're trying to accomplish, what are their limitations, what are their struggles, um, and, and get them involved with some of the different programs that we have at Lifetime. Wow. I mean, you've, yeah, man, it's you've, fun. Got, you've got so much on your plate, call it. It's insane. <laughs> the plates keep moving, though, my friend. Somehow they keep moving. <laughs> and then I, I think I saw you want to do, is it that you want to do some type of summit in a lot of different parts? I mean, because you said earlier that I think Perform Better had like a one-day summit. There's there's certain companies that just have uh, yeah. these conventions every so often, but you want to start to spread them all over the country, right? It's a, it's a thought. It's a plan. It's okay. uh, we're definitely I'm definitely looking at doing one in Arizona, um, probably in the uh, probably like late spring, early spring next year, um, and then potentially doing one on the East Coast. Um, just because you got to think, you know, events, though they're fun and they're awesome the weekend of, mm-hmm. um, it's a struggle for a lot of people. Um, you know, it takes time and it takes energy and it takes money to shut down the business for a couple days, fly across the country to attend any event, whether it's NorCal or Idea or Perform Better. And so, you know, for me, it's, it's simple enough to where now, you know, I think this is our seventh this will be our seventh event, and we've been doing it for four years now. Um, the brand's been established, where now I can take that brand and move it to the East Coast and now do, like, an East Coast, West Coast event so that I can help impact more people's lives. I mean, that'd be awesome. You know, I find it difficult for me to go to a lot of these ones because I'm like, okay, that means I take so many days off of work because of travel, and then I've got to stay here. And But if there's somewhere, you know, more local, then it's like, oh, yeah, of course, that's a no-brainer. It's tough, man. You know, and and I think about that now as we start planning these events, you know, down the road. Yeah, you take that into consideration. It's tough, especially now you're married, you have two kids, you have a business. Like that's time away from family, from work, from the wife, from the kids. And so all that weighs into your decision. And there's times where it's like sometimes that's needed. Like you almost kind of need to get away from all of it for a weekend Mm -hmm. and surround yourself with the same type of people. Because I promise you in that room there's a handful of others who – are away from their wife, their kids, and their business, but they needed to be there because there was something they were looking for. And that's what that event allows to be created. Like you, it allows you to walk away with whatever it is that you were looking for to go back and implement into your business so you can spend more time with your wife and your two kids and not have to work 12, 15-hour days. Yeah. So, call it. what was it like for you to start the NorCal Fitness Summit? What was, what was the feeling after the first one had finished? Oh, it was man. When we, I was, it was scary as hell to start it because I there was there's, dude, there's no blueprint to how to start a, a, an event. Um, basically, I was at a I was at a mastermind retreat and I came home and it was I think it was March of 2013 mm-hmm. and I just put on Facebook like, hey, I'm thinking about doing an event <laughs> like um, NorCal Fitness Summit. Uh, not sure you know who wants to be there, but we're looking for speakers. Uh, and honestly, man, it was a blessing because even the first one, we had the Nick Tominellos of the world and the Scott Rockliffs, and like we had some amazing speakers, Pat Rigsby's, and it was just, wow. it was, it was the first one set the tone for the last four years. And I was fortunate enough because of relationships that were built. The one thing you you can never find anywhere else without attending an event is is the relationships you build at events. And it was because of those relationships at events with speakers and, 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 and presenters and, and sponsors who became really close friends um, that NorCal has been able to grow. I mean, we had 30 people at our first one, and last year we had 190. Wow. So, so, yeah, I mean, it just it wasn't – if it wasn't for those individuals and it wasn't, if it wasn't for the attendees who, who trusted – in me and invested in the event and, 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 you know, knew that this thing would help change their lives. Like NorCal would never grow to what it's grown. Like 
I look at myself, I'm just a curator, man. I just bring people together and I bring really good speakers together and we create a community. But if it wasn't for the results that that community delivers, NorCal would never grow. And I mean, we had people, you know, this year, this year, a former attendee just launched her own business. Another one just wrote her first book. Like Whoa. it's, yeah, man, it's been, yeah. Like it blows me away to hear. And it's in that community. We, they share that. Like I just created my first book. I just launched my first business. Um, I just went online. Like if, if all those be, happened because of the summer. And you do these a couple times a year, right? Like I know there's a few of them that they will do it just like annually. Uh, I do. Well, we were, we were doing it twice a year and now okay. it's just once a year. Okay. Gotcha. Um, it's, 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 it's tough when, uh, you don't have a team because right? I mean the whole, the event's all ran by me. Like now at this point this year, we actually have a team. Like I have an, a virtual assistant who's helping, uh, you know, we have someone who's doing sponsorships, but for the last three years, it's all been done by me. So we just, it was just better. It made more business sense to just do it once a year in October and let it be the last, pretty much the last really fitness event where someone can get CEUs before the year's out. So I, I notice with some of the events that I attend that the information kind of gets repeated over and over again. And let's say, you know, every five years or so, I might go back to another summit because I want to see, you know, what's the new research, what's the new kind of training methodology, um, how you keep the information at the NorCal Fitness Summit relevant to trainers today. So... One is it's it's always a different set of speakers. I don't you know very rarely do I bring the same speaker back okay. multiple times. The only really exception, like you know, I've, Scott Rockliffe is my social media guy. Like, um, so we bring Scott back every year to talk about social media. But because I know Scott is keeping up with what's happening with social media, so I know the content he's going to be sharing. Like this year. Um, it's all about videos. Um, and I know Scott's been doing his homework on making sure, keeping up to date what's happening with video. So at NorCal, he's speaking about how do how do you use, how do you start using video now to grow your business or to mm-hmm. get leads? So a lot of it is really like, I, I'm the one going out and talking to the speakers and figuring out kind of like what, what are their need? Like what's the needs of the attendees mm-hmm. kind of all year listening to what they're like, we need more help with online training. I need more help with social media. I need more help with, um, attracting sales and or attracting clients. So I, I go now find the speakers that I know really do a really good job of teaching on that. And, and we invite them over, we invite them to come to NorCal. So a lot of my speakers are not even fitness industry speakers. I go into another industry. So four of my speakers love that four. Yeah. Four or five this year are from the internet marketing, digital marketing, digital course creation industry. Um, because let's, let's face it, that also translates into the fitness industry. So, um, yeah, man, my speakers are just not fitness speakers. They're fitness and business speakers from across multiple industries, which is what has kept me different than some of the other events. I, I love that, man. That's, that's incredible. Going into different industries and working together to just help the betterment of everyone is what it should be all about. I mean, that's sharing information freely. is just incredible like that. Are you noticing is is the social media side, is the online training side what you're finding there to be more of a demand of today? It's the hot. Those are the hot topics right now. Like online, you know, a lot of people want to go online. A lot of people want to start understanding social media better. How do I run a Facebook ad that generates leads? Like, but, you know, it's one thing to understand it, but it's actually one thing to implement it and do it. And so that's where, you know, at, at, from like for me, I, we hired, I hired a coach to help me with social media because I didn't understand it and I didn't want to waste time doing it when, when I didn't know what I was doing. And so, yeah, I mean, those are the hot things right now. Online, online coaching is everyone's talking about online coaching because everybody wants to, you know, but it really depends on what they're talking about it for. Is it because it, they feel like it's easier than, you know, live one-on-one training in the mm-hmm. club? which is not necessarily true. It's actually somewhat harder doing online training because there's just so many more moving parts involved than somebody walking through your door and signing up for training. Yeah, I mean, not being in front of somebody is just a challenge in itself, not being able to have that personal connection with them and to uh, go a little bit deeper in the conversation with them I think is a, a big challenge. But with online training, is there a difference in the client base that trainers are dealing with? Is, are they going for more volume? I don't think there's a difference in the client base per se, because your your niche is your niche, and you're going to be able to train 
you're, whether online or offline, you're still you're still going to attract that niche market that you want to work with. I think online training just allows for more volume, but that's not necessarily the right thing. Like, yeah. why do you like quantity over quality? I'd rather have ten people paying me, you know, a thousand dollars for training per month versus twenty paying me two hundred, mm-hmm. and they get you know crappy programming. And so I don't, you know, I don't think it's a quantity thing. I think a lot of people want to go online because they feel like it's going to open up more time for them to do other things. We all want that freedom lifestyle and online training allows you to create that lifestyle if it's done correctly. What's a success story from someone who's attended the summit that maybe jumped into online training uh, that kind of stands out or do you have one right now? You know, we have one, uh, she's about to launch. So she attended last year, um, hired an online coach, built out her online nutrition program. So she's launching it late, uh, early next year. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and basically it's for entre- entrepreneur, executive women who, who are looking for more time, um, who, who want to create more time or just don't have time to eat properly and diet properly and eat the right nutrition. So she created a program to help the busy entrepreneur mom, um, with her, with her, with her food intake and with her food prep. And so that's her online program that she's launching in 2018. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. It is. It is. It's awesome to hear these stories and, and see the see the end result of an idea that they might have had for, from attending the summit. So what's what's the means that to an end here, call it? I mean, you've got NorCal Fitness Summit. Do you do you enjoy being in the big box gym atmosphere? I mean, it seems like you can't get away from it right now. <laughs> I do love it, man. It's fun. Like I love. I think my role now is the right role for me, where. I'm in front of members, I'm interacting with members, and I'm helping them get started on their fitness journey. And and that for me speaks speaks to me. Like that speaks to my kind of like my gift of of connecting with people. And so that's always gonna be a part of a part of that. And where that goes, you know, I have you know, I have no idea. Like Lifetime is such a new company to me that I'm just kind of still figuring it out with Lifetime. Uh, with NorCal, you know, it's going to continue to grow. It's not going to, it'll never be a mega event, like a, an idea where there's 13,000 people. Like that's not my goal with NorCal. A lot of it is I want it to be a, a more small, intimate event, but we're going to change next year. The, the model is going to change next year um, from just the, uh, you know, you come in, you sit down, you hear somebody speak for an hour, you take a break, and then the next presenter goes on. We're actually going to change the format next year to a completely different format. Could you dive into that a little bit, or is that on the down low? <laughs> <laughs> it's on the down low for right now. All right, all right. I'll respect that. We can just, keep it just, so I'll, I'll do this. It's, it, it's going to be more focused on implementation versus just more information. Okay, so maybe a little bit more practical. Yep, a little bit more practical, a little bit more like of implementing, more of instead of someone speaking for an hour, we're going to do more of like, and I'll go into it, we're going to do more of like a master class style talk. So you'll hear you know, a speaker will, will teach for a couple hours, and in those couple hours, the attendees will be mapping out their strategy and oh. implement. And so by the time you leave on, I, dude, by the time you leave on Monday, you have your entire blueprint like implemented, mapped out fitted for your business and now all you have to do is go back and just plug it in and go to work when you launch it next year when you the first day you let people know that hey norcal fitness summit 2018 comes out okay i'm signing up right now dude dates are october 5th 6th and 7th of next year done send me a link (laughs) i will (laughs) send me a link and i'm gonna sign up right now Sounds good. Um, call it just before we end. I want to ask you a, a couple, a couple questions before we finish up here. Um, of do you have any habits or daily rituals that you do, uh, just kind of keep your mind in the game? Yeah. Uh, meditation. Like it's funny. I started doing it. It's not funny, but I started doing <laughs> it. Uh, uh, it is funny when you think about it. Cause you know, you think meditation and you feel like you hear home and you know, all the chance, but, um, Dude, I downloaded this app a year ago called Headspace. Dude, I have it. And it's been a game changer for me. Um, you know, it's the first thing I do in the morning. Um, I, before, after I get out of the shower, we turn on, you turn on Headspace and, and I meditate for about 10, 15 minutes. And I read. Like that's been – that's kind of like my morning ritual is meditation and reading and journaling. Um, that's – those three things have really kind of helped me the last year, year and a half really set the tone for where I want to take things like just the ideas that come to mind after a 15 minute meditation session 
into a journal session is huge. Absolutely. Are you trying to stay consistent with your meditation on a daily basis? Like how many days have you done it consistently? Uh, so far, you know, you, you miss days. Like I miss yeah. days. There's days where like I have a call I got to get on or I got to be somewhere. So there's days I miss, but I try to do it at least four to five times a week. Um, you know, I try to make it a, a habit first thing in the morning. Um, and if I miss a day, you know, I don't beat myself up. Like it's like if I got four days in, in over the course of a week, I, I celebrate that. Like that's a win for me. So, you know, we try to get it in four or five days, but if I miss it, I miss it. If I, but I'm consistent. Like that's kind of the goal is just make sure you keep getting them in and not completely give up on it. So then how do you overcome speed bumps? Cause you say you do them four to, four to five days a week, right? For me, I yep. try to do it like when I was doing it, I try to do it every day. You know, it's like all or nothing. I'm going to do this every single day. I hit a speed bump. I get derailed. I haven't meditated in months. How do you <laughs> overcome those speed bumps that come in your way? I, I think for me, it's understanding that, um, like there's going to be bad days mm -hmm. and I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for progress. And so as long as I'm, I'm making progress every day and every week, I'm, I'm okay with missing a day or getting a little, getting a little bump because I know like it's the small wins for me. Like that's more important than I went in a week straight. If I got in four days out of seven, I, I, that's a win for me. Like I'm okay missing those other days because I'm, I made sure at least I got four. And so that becomes more of like, you know, the self-awareness and the self-talk, like, you know, what's happening? What am I saying to myself? I'm really conscious of what's happening in my head. And so, I'm, you know, and I've made it okay for me to miss a day and that self-talk doesn't happen because I still get my workout in and I still get my journaling in. So it's not a total loss of a day. Yeah. I mean, at least you're, you know, I like what you said, you know, at least there's, some, there's progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, even for myself, I, I try to strive for that perfection. But then if I don't hit it, I just stop. I think we all do. I mean, I think I think when you're looking at success and you're and you're trying to measure success, I think we all measure it by I need to be perfect at everything. And let's face it, like you're not we're not you're never going to be perfect at everything. Um, and it's OK. to It's OK. Like and I think that's the you know, as you're talking to clients and trainers, like, Hey, it's okay. You missed the sale or it's okay. Someone didn't show up. Like look at the wins across, look at the small wins. And I think as long as we keep you that at the forefront, I, I think that sets you up for long-term success. Yeah, definitely. So let's say you have a, a trainer. He, you know, he comes up to you. He's kind of, he's kind of down on, on his training game. You know, his business isn't going too well. He comes up to you at the NorCal fitness summit. He's like, you know what? I'm thinking about leaving the industry. What do you say to him? Oh man, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, it's pretty loaded, I, but it is a loaded question. Uh, it's a question though. Um, I, I think for me, the first thing I really want to understand is what's happening. Like, why is he feeling that way? What are, what's, what's he saying to himself? I mean, I kind of want to understand the circumstance that they're in. I think that just helps me paint a better picture of why, those feelings are happening. And then we do, we dive into like his bit, like talk, walk me through your business strategy, like talking through your business. Like, what are you doing for sales? What are you doing for marketing? What do you, a lot of the time it's a systems issue okay. and there's not a system in place or there's maybe a hiccup in a system. Um, and they've gotten down on themselves because now their self-confidence isn't the greatest because they've failed or they haven't hit their success markers or where they thought they needed to be or wanted to be. They're not there. Well, it's my job as their coach to really sit down with them and figure out, okay, let's reverse engineer back to, okay, what are some of the, what are the goals and what are you doing to hit those goals and what are the systems in place to help you get there? And if they're not, if there isn't one now I can start going to work and start coaching on, okay, what's your sales process? What's your lead generation process? What's your marketing process? And we start, we start in that direction. Yeah. And then you start establish, you lay out that blueprint for him and mm -hmm. now he's like, okay, this isn't as intimidating as I thought. No, they just get, it's just, it's frustration and it's just not understanding not having the proper thing, the, the proper systems in place sometimes it's, and other times it's a bigger issue. Like there's other factors like what's happening at home and, and the impact it's having at home and the pressure they're feeling from a spouse or a partner to start making some money. And, and so you have to understand the complete situation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not even business related. Sometimes it's the home 
that's causing some of that stress that's, you know, bleeding into the business. So for me, I need to understand the complete person sitting in front of me and I need to understand all their circumstances to best determine where I can come in and help support. I love it, man. That's a great answer. Thank you. Call <laughs> <laughs> uh, it. You're doing so much right now. What, do you ever take a break and what do you do when you want to kind of decompress? I do, man. I do. I usually will go for about three, about three months. Like I usually do this like 90 day sprint. And at the end of the 90 day, I usually will take a couple days. Um, where I'll, for me, I go, I fly back to San Luis Obispo. I'll head down to see my folks okay. and just kind of like slow <laughs> the slow life, uh, slow down a little bit. Um, San Luis has always been my kind of like place where I can go decompress and relax, um, hang out by the water and just kind of re-energize. Um, so I, I usually have it planned where that's kind of my reward at the end of 90 days of sprinting and working hard as I'll go for a couple of days somewhere, whether it's help my folks or San Diego or, you know, just go somewhere and just disconnect for a couple of days. I love that. That's a, that's good. Cause I mean, you see everybody out today, it's like, go, go, go nonstop. And then you get burnt out and you crash and then you're down for, you know, could be a couple months. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think it's knowing yourself. Like I know for me, once I hit that three, like once I start dipping in past 90 days, I just get tired. My brain's tired. Yeah. I'm not as creative. My body's tired. And so like for like NorCal's coming out. So we've been sprinting the last 90 days, really making sure this event is top of the line. And at the end of NorCal, I'm going to take a couple days off and just decompress and, and just disconnect for a couple of days and then come back at it, just re-energized and rejuvenated. But I can't, like I made the mistake last couple of years ago of going from nor a three day event right back into work. And I was out. My brain was just fried. I mean, being on for three days at an event is takes a lot out of you. And now I know better. So I take time off. I think I, uh, I'm going to start implementing that three month rule for myself. Do it. It's fun. It keeps, it keeps you sane. <laughs> Definitely. I know we talked about uh, how to win friends and influence people, but what I want to ask is, what is one book that you would recommend? Who is a speaker or somebody out there that's just killing it in the industry that you should, you suggest that people should kind of focus their attention on? And what is some other routine that you say that you think somebody should imp implement into their lives to, you know, just keep them keep them moving forward, keep them focused? Mm. Uh, let's the book. I think right now, um, it's called extreme ownership. Yes. Um, dude, if you're in, I've read like, it. it's such an amazing book. Oh, uh, awesome. It's, uh, like it really just, it just really, um, opened my eyes to understanding kind of like you own every aspect of your life. And so having that extreme, like when it comes to your health, like if you're not losing weight, you own that, like that's on you. So having like, it's no one else's fault. Like, you know, it's on you to own and do something about if you're having a struggle in your business, it's not, it's not your marketer's fault. Like you own that as the business owner to figure out why you're having those, why those challenges are happening. And so, you know, for me, that book was eye opening on like, it's really seriously one of the best leadership books I've read. And I've read a lot of leadership books, but it's one of the best ones I've read today. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, speaker wise, I mean, it's tough, man. Cause I think it all depends on what it is that you like, what's, what are you looking for in your business? Uh, you know, for me, it's easy to sp spit out names of different speakers, but I think it's really going back to like for social media, like Scott Rockwith comes to mind. Like he's one of, he's one of the top when it comes to helping fit pros establish their social media presence. Uh, so if you're looking for social media help, Go to Scott Rockland for coaching and how to be a, the best at what you do as a coach. Dude, Martin Rooney comes to mind. Like, no, like Martin Rooney, I've seen that guy speak so many times and I always get fired up after one of his talks. And so, if you're looking at how do I become a better coach and a better motivator, like, go see Martin Rooney. And so, it all, you know, for, for, um, you know, assessing and, and assessing member clients, uh, great cook. Like those are, those are mm -hmm. like the three that tops come to mind when you're looking at like what modality do I feel like I need help with in my business? Those are like the top speakers that come to mind for me. And then one thing that someone could do just to keep them gritty, keep them on the grind or keep them centered and focused. I know, right? You got, I got a lot in my head. I, you know, honestly, man, like reach out, like it within your circle, like 
for me, like I usually will try once a week to connect to a friend in my circle who's doing some amazing work. So it's, it's a, it's an accountability call. Like, Hey, like, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm doing. What are you working on? Um, almost like an accountability buddy okay. or account- accountability partner, but it's, it's not so much to hold each other accountable, but it's always like, Hey, like, here's what I'm working on. Here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm planning. Like, what do you think? Like, so within your circle, like having those phone calls where people, where your friends will call you out on your, on your, on your stuff. If, if it's not like, wait, that doesn't fit the mission of what you're trying to do. And so, um, you know, for me, it's, it might, it's Scott, like Scott's one of my best friends. And so when him and I start talking and I throw out an idea, like he always pushes back, like, does that fit the mission and the purpose of NorCal? If it doesn't, why am I doing it? So it's mm-hmm. always having a, a friend who you trust, who will keep it real with you and will call you out on your stuff. Like, I feel like if you do one of those calls once a week, um, or once a month, um, you know, I think it keeps you centered of, of making sure you don't get caught in the squirrel syndrome of all like all this other stuff going on. And how do you find someone like that? Do you just go through your contacts and like, okay, who fits the profile for you? <laughs> um, you know, you know, you know, it's that's it's been. I, I think it's it's years of developing those relationships. Okay. Um, you know, my circle of friends has changed over the last few years where I'm, I've lost friends and there's friends I don't talk to as much anymore, or maybe it's once a month, but then there's that group of friends that we talk every day or every other day or, you know, or once a week or once every couple of weeks. And I think you find that, but through the relationships you develop over, you know, that relationship with Scott is, is, is something I've developed over the last six, seven years. Uh, it's something that doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's, it's nurtured. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I think that's where, those, those, that's where the trust is established where he can tell me and call me out on my stuff because he's earned the right to do that because we've nurtured the relationship for the last seven years. I would never recommend doing that to somebody you just know, you've known for months. Um, <laughs> if, if, you know, if, if, you know, look into your friends who some of your best friends, um, for some people it's, it's a wife or it's a partner, you know, it's, it's a confidant that, knows you very well and knows the mission that you're trying to and believes in the mission and can see that there, there that might there might be something going on that doesn't fit that mission and is not afraid to call you out on it call that, that that's awesome and we can drop the mic right there um <laughs> where can people find you how can we all get in contact with you man um so facebook uh if you just you look up uh call it um friend request me shoot me a message um, Instagram, it's kfit21. Um, friend me, and then uh, if you're in the area, come up to San Francisco next week, and you can see me live at the NorCal Summit. There we go. <laughs> Absolutely. You got to send me that link too. I'm coming 2018. All right, I'll send you that link right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. Do you have any closing thoughts here? No, man. Thank you, man. Just keep doing what you're doing. Man. I love this. I think you're doing a great job with this podcast. I think. You're going to change a lot of lives with this podcast, so keep up the great work. That's the goal, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, Colin. Take care, man. Have a great rest of your day. All right, Cameron. That's it for this week's episode of The Principles of Fitness, everyone. I want to give Colin a special thanks for being with us on the show today. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, leave a comment on iTunes. And here's a sneak peek of next week's episode with nutrition coach Casey Arnold. Because, I mean, I have clients all the time who are like, I don't know what's going on. I'm eating chicken and broccoli every day and nothing's happening. And I'm like, that just can't be true. Uh, <laughs> do you get that ever? I mean, oh, how 100%. Do you, how do you, like, educate people on what's going on? So when so clients, like, they'll come or say, like, I eat super healthy. Okay, so yeah. let me see your food. Okay, I'm eating chicken and broccoli and then I'm having, like, a protein shake for breakfast, protein shake for dinner, but nothing's changing. Okay, so we go past the food. Okay, Tell me about your work life and your home so life. So it's more than food at that oh, point. Oh, it's so much more than food at that point. Okay. So the food is just the, the the food is literally the top of the cake, right? So mm. the food's icing in the cake, but what's the ingredients in the cake that's actually making that cake? Okay. And that has to do with the behavior, the mindset, and their environment that they're living in. Mm-hmm. So you could be the healthiest eater in the world. You could have the healthiest diet, but if you're not in a, a positive environment and if your mental and health state AKA your stress levels. And that's not just external, that's internal stress are not functioning optimally. It doesn't matter how healthy you're eating. Your body is not going to absorb those nutrients. If you're not functioning and living in an optimal state.
To hear more from some of the best that the industry has to offer, please hit the subscribe button and stay tuned for the next episode of The Principles of Fitness.